I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here and this season takes it to a whole new level old school legends modern power players and ex-lovers are all competing in cape town south africa for the prize of three hundred thousand dollars and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast listen to mtv's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts welcome to season nine of next question with me katie couric I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. President Biden, congrats on the Inflation Reduction Act, Joe. Now it is time for you to sign something else. The Reduction of the Inspector General of the Department of Homeland Security Act. Fire him today. Our lives may literally depend upon it. Your life may literally depend upon it. Because, Mr. President, if you missed it, last Friday and again Monday, Donald Trump declared passive-aggressive war on this country and directly threatened you and me and everybody else who will not submit to him. He is not, as he claims, hoping to bring down the temperature. He is, in fact, intent on bringing it up by arson. And you, sir, have a Trump arsonist in the Department of Homeland Security. And something you can do today, sir, to push back against Trump's plausibly deniable call for civil unrest is to remove the inspector general of the Department of Homeland Security, Joseph Kufari, appointed by Trump and those loyal to him. And you need also to fire key leadership and lots of agents at the Secret Service and at least some career bureaucrats at the Pentagon as well. Let's start with this thug Kufari. 
As of Tuesday night, Kufari has now refused three requests from the House January 6th committee for information and documents, mostly, but not wholly, about the now apparently deliberate erasure of Secret Service texts from January 6th says he will not turn over any documents and will not sit for an interview and will not let his lieutenants do either. Kufari has also now refused to recuse himself from the investigation. The House Oversight Chair Carolyn Maloney and January 6th Chair Benny Thompson have now warned him that if necessary, they will resort to subpoenas. One expects Kufari will ignore those subpoenas. And it's even worse yet than that, Mr. President. Kufari has denied that anybody has the power to remove him. It is simple. Joseph Kufari has gone rogue and announced he is a law unto himself. This is the inspector general, the watchdog, inside the Department of Homeland Security. He is supposed to make sure it is protecting us, and his purview also includes the Secret Service. Thus, he is supposed to make sure it is protecting you. Instead, the only things he is protecting are Trump and his own ass. Fire him. Get him out of the building today. Let the House subpoena him. If he ignores the subpoena, arrest him, prosecute him, jail him. Because the more you look into this, the worse it still gets. Not only is Joseph Kufari a Trump appointee, but before that he was a policy advisor for the former governor of Arizona, Jan Brewer, the one who once actually publicly claimed with a straight face that the desert in her own state near the Mexican border was full of headless bodies. It is not politics, Mr. President, to remove a figure from a vital job who is deliberately risking the safety of this nation because he is loyal to the man who is currently the greatest threat to the safety of this nation. It is instead that thing you presidents all say when you take the job. Quote, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Kufari's man Trump ratcheted it up again Tuesday. He and his toadies, like Lindsey Graham, are now demanding the names of the witnesses whose testimony backed the Mar-a-Lago affidavit. Lawyer spokesmodel Alina Habba even said release the names because they will come out anyway through leaks, which is another Trump passive-aggressive threat. Release the names or we will find a way to leak them just as his larger passive-aggressive threat about lowering the temperature is a public boast that he, Trump, controls the temperature inside his cult and his cultists will commence violence if we don't do what Trump says. Within hours of that threat of a leak of names, what do you know? Maggie Haberman leaks the names of two people interviewed by the FBI about the classified documents Trump stole. Coincidence, no doubt. The threat to dox the witnesses goes in here and presto. Hours later, the names of Trump White House Counsel Pat Cipollone and Deputy Counsel Patrick Philbin suddenly wind up under MAGA Maggie's byline in the New York Times. The hearing on releasing that affidavit is Thursday at 1 Eastern. Trump, still in hiding somewhere, has now settled in on, quote, trying to lower the temperature by calling a legal warrant and professional low-key search a, quote, horrible and shocking break-in. Because the premise is Trump's crap don't stink, when in fact, Trump is nothing but crap. Back to the DHS and the Trump crap known as Joseph Kufari. 
There is a spectrum of danger here running from the president's own safety and whether the current Secret Service is truly committed to protecting him or it remains in the pocket of Trump to the safety and future of a democracy of two weeks after a coup attempt, military bureaucrats joined the cover-up and deliberately erased the text messages and other data from the phones of Trump's last Secretary of Defense, Trump's last Secretary of the Army, and Trump's last Chief of Staff. Two weeks after January 6th, one week after the outgoing president was impeached for the second time, and the Pentagon wiped the phones of Chris Miller from Defense, Ryan McCarthy from the Army, and the deplorable Cash Patel from Trump's Oval Office. This came out early this month when a watchdog group got an answer to its Freedom of Information Act lawsuit filing for those texts. And you can just add it to the pile. There are no White House records of Trump's phone calls during the coup attempt. He was doubtless on a burner phone or using somebody else's cell phone since that way he could have saved $7 in charges. The Secret Service texts and most of the call records were erased, and the service and Homeland Security initially made up a story about the amazing coincidence that they were migrating their service or they got a better deal with new phones from Sprint or something right after the coup, and all of their texts just happened to get lost in the process. Then it turned out the Homeland Security Inspector General's office had asked in February to have the records preserved, then withdrew that request five months later. Then it turned out Homeland Security had also wiped the phones of Trump's last two henchmen over there, acting Chief Chad Wolf and acting deputy and noted fascist thug Ken Cuccinelli. The inspector general knew that weeks later and did nothing and told no one. Then it turned out that in its semi-annual report to Congress covering the period ending March 31st of this year and submitted in June, Homeland Security included the fact that the January 6th Secret Service texts were gone. The department included it in the first draft of its report. Somehow, in the final version of the report that was actually sent to Congress, this little detail had been removed. What was not removed, on page 2 was a nice souvenir color photograph of Donald Trump's appointee who is still running this crap show as Inspector General Joseph V. Kufari. For reasons that will be absolutely unfathomable until the end of time, the Biden administration is tiptoeing around this scandal and not calling it what it is. A cover-up. A conspiracy. A massive crime on its own about evidence about the January 6th coup. To some degree, you get it. The guys guarding the president may not be trustworthy. The careerists at the Pentagon and at Homeland Security certainly are not trustworthy. They have all the guns. They know all the codes. You cannot fire them all on the same day. But you could hang this idiot Inspector General Kafari out to dry. You could appoint a special prosecutor to look into the deliberate erasure of these communications from the day Trump's thugs tried to kill the vice president and the speaker and senators and representatives. So we couldn't find out who at Secret Service and DHS was supporting the thugs. At minimum, the president could hit these people where they live, their paychecks. More likely... Actions now would uncover the details of the same crime that put nearly all of the Watergate conspirators in jail, obstruction of justice. This is not the time to try to let the system correct itself. The system is still being manipulated by Trump through his creatures like this Kufari. 
and to leave him there while he defies all laws and all lawmakers is not lowering the temperature. It is instead staying inside the proverbial frog pot as Trump by himself and through his proxies raises the temperature to boiling. Still ahead on Countdown, Mehmet Oz again. They asked him how many houses he owns, and in his answer, he was off by 80%. He's got to be a Democratic plan, doesn't he? In Things I Promised Not to Tell, the day I nearly hired Monica Lewinsky's lawyer to save me from having to do a TV show about Monica Lewinsky. And this requires stopping the music just for a moment. This is an unbelievable soundbite from one of Trump's lawyers. I'll let it speak for itself now. Here it comes. Um, As far as Judge Reinhold, I still have this burning question as to why he felt he needed to recuse himself. As far as who? I'll explain, if explanation is possible. That's next. This is Countdown. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the Ferryman of Souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. 
Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I called my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Oberman. Coming up the night, I nearly hired Monica Lewinsky's lawyer to sue to get me out of the contract that forced me to do shows about Monica Lewinsky. Plus, Mehmet Oz does it again in Worse Persons, and the Trump lawyer who can't remember the name of the judge in the Mar-a-Lago search warrant case. This is outstanding stuff. Judge who? First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need whom you can help. Every dog has its day. And we start with great news. The pregnant dog on the kill list in Riverside, California, I mentioned yesterday, poor sweetheart, she's been saved, pulled out by a rescue. Amen. Now to Long Island, New York, and Calvin. Calvin is at the town of Hempstead Animal Shelter. He's been there for 641 days. He's a tan dog, medium size, a terrier mix. He loves agility stuff. He's dog friendly. He's learning how to play with toys. He needs an adult-only forever family. The volunteers at the shelter love him to pieces. To see if you do, check my tweet about Calvin on my feed for dogs in need, Tom Jumbo Grumbo. Video, email addresses, links, everything you could need. And you can also help him by retweeting my biography of Calvin. Spread the word. It's at Tom Jumbo Grumbo on Twitter. Thank you. And coming up, which sport has better ratings? On the television, that would be Major League Soccer or Women's Professional Basketball. But now, postscripts to the news. Some headlines, some thoughts, some snark. Sounds like somebody spit in the teletype. Dateline Jackson, Wyoming. No surprise since it's a racist cult. Republicans denied House January 6th committee ranking member Liz Cheney renomination for the state's only seat. She conceded while down 63 to 32 to former friend Harriet Hageman, who drank the Kool-Aid and who, as noted yesterday, is all five members of the Canadian comedy troupe The Kids in the Hall if they were playing the same character. 
In defeat, Cheney was defiant. She said, quote, two years ago, I won this primary with 73% of the vote. I could easily have done the same again. The path was clear, but it would have required that I go along with President Trump's lie about the 2020 election. It would have required that I enable his ongoing efforts to unravel our democratic system and attack the foundations of our republic. That was a path I could not and would not take. Given the fact that Liz Cheney then invoked the defeats of Abraham Lincoln before he became president, the early speculation became her next career move would be a bid for the Republican nomination for president in 2024, if only to get on the debate stage and fricassee Trump while the sane people cheer her on. Dateline, Martinsburg, West Virginia. A plea deal collapsed Tuesday when a federal judge said the defendants should be serving longer sentences than the government agreed to. Jonathan Toby was to go to prison for from 12 and a half to 17 and a half years. His wife, Diana, would get three years. The judge, Gina M. Grow, said she invariably accedes to plea deals, but, quote, It's not in the best interest of this community or, in fact, this country to accept these plea agreements. What crime did the Tobys strike a deal for that would have sent him to prison for 12 and a half to 17 and a half years that the judge thought was letting him get off easy? The two had pleaded guilty to trying to sell documents to a foreign country. Top secret documents. Top secret documents relating to American nuclear submarines. It sounds vaguely familiar. Dateline Washington. At 7.56 p.m. Eastern Time last night, Tuesday, the Washington Post published a 29-paragraph article on how Trump has spent the time since the stolen classified secret story broke trying to find a big-name lawyer or lawyers to represent him and getting only one reply. No thanks. Minutes later, a March article was retweeted. It was about Alina Haba, the general counsel to a New Jersey parking lot firm, who now might be Trump's lead attorney at the moment and how much of the rest of his legal team hate her. Quote, what the F is she doing is probably the most common question we asked about her, one of the other lawyers told the Daily Beast. There were references to her success owing to a belief that Trump thinks she's great on TV. Maybe not. Minutes after that, at 828 Eastern, so that's 32 minutes after the Washington Post article came out, Alina Haba went on the Trump propaganda channel Newsmax and answered a question about Bruce Reinhart, the Florida magistrate who signed the Mar-a-Lago search warrant. Magistrate Reinhart or Judge Reinhart. Alina Haba did not disappoint. Um, as far as Judge Reinhold, I still have this burning question as to why he felt he needed to recuse himself. Uh, did we hear that right, Alina? Um, as far as Judge Reinhold, I still have this burning question as to why he felt he needed to recuse himself. Judge Reinhardt. The guy in your case is Judge Reinhardt. Judge Reinhold is the actor from Fast Times at Ridgemont High and Beverly Hills Cop. Can't imagine why the other lawyers hate her or Trump is trying to find somebody else to represent him. Well, moving on to... Oh, no, I can't resist. Um, As far as Judge Reinhold, I still have this burning question as to why he felt he needed to recuse himself. Trump, do not replace her. For God's sake, do not replace her. I love her. 
And Dateline Jacksonville, Val Demings is leading Florida Senator Marco Rubio. That is the big news out of a poll conducted by the Public Opinion Research Lab at the University of North Florida in Jacksonville. Demings, 48, Rubio, 44, somebody else, 7. The poll also shows Ron DeSantis ahead of either Democratic governor candidate by seven over Nikki Freed, by eight over Charlie Crist. But the pollsters note significantly that when they asked this same question in February, DeSantis was ahead not by seven or eight, but by 20. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. From the world of wide sports, as of May 27th, Michael Harris II was a prospect with the Mississippi Braves of the AA Southern League. As of now, he is reportedly on the verge of signing an eight-year contract with the Atlanta Braves for a tidy $72 million. In between those two facts and dates came 12 homers, 39 RBI, and 13 steals, and an 838 OPS in his first 70 Major League games. Remember Rodolfo Castro, the is that a phone in your pocket or are you just glad to see me guy? Castro, the Pirates infielder from whose pocket a phone flew out as he slid into third base last week, has been suspended for one game by Major League Baseball for having an unauthorized electronic device with him during a game. A lot of fans centered in on that phrase, unauthorized electronic device, and noted that this is one game longer than the longest suspension handed out to any member of the Houston Astros for having lots of unauthorized electronic devices as they banged the garbage drum all the way to their 2017 World Series, quote, win, unquote. And the TV ratings are out. The WNBA... And as an aside, since the Howard Stern movie, I cannot not say it, WNBA, the Women's Basket League, Basketball League, the WNBA, finishes its 2022 season with an average of 372,000 viewers per game. By comparison, Major League Soccer averaged 276,000 viewers per game for its 2021 regular season average. MLS television rights cost $250 million a season. WNBA, WNBA rights cost $27 million a season. The standard rationalization as to why networks would pay 10 times as much for 74% of the ratings, well, the great future growth potential of MLS soccer, obviously. Soccer is the sport of the future. That is a phrase I first heard in 1967 when I was eight years old and two major soccer leagues launched simultaneously and there was a CBS TV game of the week and nobody watched any of it. Soccer. It's America's sport of the future and it always will be. Still ahead, my night with Monica Lewinsky's attorney and what he told me 24 years ago about what she first thought when she saw the stain. 
First, the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. Our bronze, Senator John Neely Kennedy of Louisiana, the Oxford-educated attorney who pretends to behave like one of the local yokel characters from the old TV series Green Acres. He went on Fox News and complained about, guess who, President Biden. Kennedy's quote, I think a majority of the voters in our country at this juncture think he would be better off selling catheters on late-night TV than serving as the President of the United States. Catheters. And finally, we have found a subject that Senator Kennedy of Louisiana knows something about. The runner-up, Draws. I'm sorry, I mispronounced his name again. Uh, Dr. Oz. Remember the self-own of the Republican candidate for Senate in Pennsylvania? The video in which he went shopping for a crudité in a supermarket, the name of which he had completely mangled? Do you remember what this sounded like yesterday? I'm grocery shopping. I'm at Wagner's, and I, my wife wants some vegetables for crudité, right? So here's a broccoli. That's two bucks. There's a Redner's and a Wegman's, but there is no Wegner's. Guess who pointed that out continuously over the last 48 hours? Oz's Democratic opponent, John Fetterman, who is going to win a Senate seat and write a textbook on how Democrats should run a two-fisted, no-holds-barred campaign against the Trump cult. Late Monday night, Fetterman offered campaign donors a new sticker reading, Wegner's, let them eat crudite. He said last night the campaign had sent out 5,000 of them in 24 hours. Thursday, Fetterman put out a photo holding up and pointing to a veggie tray with the caption, Mmm, crudite. Then there was a video in which he holds the same appetizer and says, In PA, we call this a veggie tray. If this looks like anything other than a veggie tray to you, then I am probably not your candidate. Write this down. Make notes, Democrats across the country. This is how you win today. You must troll your opponent. And Lord knows they are eminently trollable. And Oz, by the way, he's got to be a Democratic plant, doesn't he? We sent this guy, right? But our winner draws again. Undercover video is the great untapped resource of campaigning in 2022. Just released Tuesday, a video of a Democratic operative at the Carbon County Fair in Palmerton, PA, asking Oz, how many houses do you own? He replies on the video, it's clearly him, quote, legitimately, I own two houses, but one of them we're building on, the other ones I rent. Actually, legitimately, Oz owns... A 9,000-square-foot mansion in New Jersey, a condo in New Jersey, a condo in Manhattan, another condo in Manhattan, a cattle farm in Florida, an Oceanside mansion in Palm Beach, a country house in Pennsylvania, and three residential properties in Turkey. That would be ten houses, not two. Ten, which is more. Mehmet, let me ask you this. How many rakes do you own? Because it seems like you step on a rake every hour of the damn day, Oz. Today's worst person in the world! I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. 
So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I am the ferryman. In the shadows of the afterlife, the ferryman of souls guides America's most influential spirits to their eternal rest. Where are you taking me? Are you death? This road is not on any map. How much for a ticket? All I ask for in payment is a tale. I don't know who got to Kennedy first. And the devastation those first bombs caused. I've never been to hell, but I know intimately the hymns of the damned. All 12 episodes of The Passage are available now. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I call my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. number one story on the countdown and back to my favorite topic me and things i promised not to tell so 24 years ago this week 
I nearly hired Monica Lewinsky's lawyer to sue NBC so I didn't have to cover the Monica Lewinsky story anymore for NBC. It started in like June of 1998, and I was at the lowest point of what would turn out to be a 10-month struggle to extricate myself from having to host at least one hour-long show every night covering the news of the Bill Clinton-Monica Lewinsky investigations, whether or not there was any news, and whether or not there was any journalistic, ethical, or legal justification for doing it, because guess what? My employers had a hit on their hands, and they weren't going to let anything other than money factor into this equation. I had tried everything I could think of. On the air, I trashed how we covered it. The ratings went up. I trashed how we covered it in newspaper interviews. The ratings went up. I trashed how we covered it in a commencement speech I gave at Cornell University. The ratings went up. I threatened to quit publicly. The ratings went up. I trashed the prosecutor and said this was a political distraction from the threat of terrorism. The ratings went up. NBC tried to blackmail me into staying, and I hinted at that on the air, and the ratings went up. Finally, a friend inside the office of the head of NBC Sports, Dick Ebersol, revealed that Ebersol and company had been part of what she had called a little white lie about the contract I had signed a year earlier when I left ESPN Sports Center to go do MSNBC News with a little NBC Sports on the side. Turned out it wasn't a little NBC Sports on the side. NBC Sports was, in fact, paying the majority of my salary, even though everybody at NBC News insisted to me during and after the negotiations that it was like 90% news and only 10% sports. This detail was my first ray of hope. It was not much, and it might or might not mean the contract was invalid, but it was technically illegal to do what they had done. If you sign a contract with somebody who says he's paying you, and it turns out, no, you're secretly being paid by somebody else, and that isn't in the contract, you have been deceived into signing the contract. And if you have been deceived into signing the contract, well, that might be enough of a can opener to get me out of here. So I needed a lawyer. On June 2nd, 1998, William Ginsburg retired as Monica Lewinsky's lawyer, went back to Los Angeles. He was only there because he was a friend of her father's. He was a medical malpractice lawyer with a little experience in contract law. He was also really good on TV. And to this day, when the same person appears on all five of the Sunday talk shows on ABC, CBS, CNN, Fox, and NBC, all in one morning, especially if they do it live in the studio, it's called the Full Ginsburg because he did it first. Bill Ginsburg hated the story, understandably. I hated the story. I heard through colleagues that he respected the way I tried to cover it and not the way anybody else did, so I wrote him a letter. I suggested that while contract law might not be his specialty, pushing back against the public humiliation of Monica S. Lewinsky was his specialty, and he could help her and help me at the same time. And he wrote back that he liked the idea, he would research it, and we should have dinner the next time he was in New York or I was in L.A. That time came on August 20th, 1998. I was in L.A., staying in Santa Monica, and he said, perfect, let's go to the Jonathan Club. And it really was a terrific meal and conversation with one of his law colleagues joining us. Bill Ginsburg was gruff and funny and a big sports fan, and he had been involved in the legal action after the death of the college basketball star Hank Gathers. 
I was at Loyola Marymount University the night Hank Gathers died on the court. We had a lot to talk about. Bill was also a Dodgers fan, furious at the trade of Mike Piazza, and wanted to know the inside story, etc. And there were a few drinks. We went fully off the record, and after he said he would love to represent me if I sued NBC and thought I had quite a case, and thought if I just let it leak inside 30 Rock that I might hire a lawyer, particularly if I leaked that I might hire him to sue them over deceptive contract negotiations, NBC might give up quickly. Having resolved our business before the second drink arrived, we spent the next four hours telling each other all the horror stories of our respective roles in this, one of the dumbest, most self-debasing cluster frocks in the history of American politics and the history of American law and the history of American journalism. Obviously, Bill had a lot more horror stories to tell than I did. And after hearing dozens of them, I asked him to let me tell three of the stories someday on whatever terms he dictated. He laughed and he said, okay, 20 years from tonight or after I'm dead, whichever comes first. Sadly, Bill passed away in 2013. The first story was just TV gossip. Bill said that early on, right after the story broke in January 1998, when he was still living in a Washington hotel and trying to figure out what was what and who was who, he had been taken to dinner by Rita Cosby of Fox News. She later worked with me for a time at MSNBC. She had a voice like the Leo the Lion character from Looney Tunes. Hey, wait a minute. And she was approximately exactly as fetching. Somehow he found himself at her apartment for a drink. She carried two whiskeys to the couch on which he sat and curled up next to him. Just let me leave, Bill quoted himself as saying, and I'll tell you anything you want to know. Before Bill Ginsburg told me this other story, he said he thought it explained the entire Clinton Lewinsky saga. The older I get, the more inclined I am to agree with him. He said that sometime in the late 70s, he was getting groceries at a huge supermarket in Beverly Hills, when to his shock, he saw his college classmate from Cal Berkeley, Bernie Lewinsky, pushing a shopping cart toward him. The two men had not seen each other since they graduated in 1964. They immediately swapped stories, they embraced, and Lewinsky casually mentioned where he and his family lived. I was doing pretty well in my practice, Bill told me, and Bernie and I were the same age, 35, 36, and I had a house in Beverly Hills that I paid $50,000 for, and I thought I was king of the world. And then Bernie told me his address in Beverly Hills, and I realized... He must have paid 500000 for his house. And I said, Bernie, I know you're a genius, but how could you possibly afford that place so soon? And he said he had this oncology practice and they had just opened another office and he was at one or the other of those offices like six days a week. And I said, great. And then he said, plus five nights a week, I'm the overnight emergency oncology doctor at Cedar sinai Hospital. And I said, great. And then I realized what he had just told me. Bernie, I said, you work six days a week and five overnights a week. So you work 11 days a week. And he laughed and he said, it's easier than saying no to my wife. And that, Alderman, explains everything you need to know about the Clinton Lewinsky story. Wow. As it turned out on the NBC contract stuff, Bill Kinsberg was prescient. 
I told one of the top NBC office gossips that I'd had dinner with Monica Lewinsky's former attorney, and we had sketched out plans to sue NBC because it had deliberately lied to me about whether I was being paid by NBC News or NBC Sports. And like... Four weeks later, out of the blue, NBC suddenly advised my agent that it was giving us 10 days to negotiate a deal to sell my contract to Fox Sports for a million dollars and the promise that I would not go back into TV news for two years. Coincidence? I think not. My Bill Ginsburg's... Oh, wait, I didn't tell you the third story he said I could tell 20 years later. If you know anything about the Clinton-Lewinsky saga, you know about the dress, the stained blue dress. If you don't know, eh, look it up somewhere. I don't have the time or the patience to tell you it here. But what Bill Ginsburg said that night 24 years ago cracks me up to this day. You know, he said... When Monica took that dress out of her closet to wear it at Thanksgiving and she realized it was stained, she wasn't certain. She thought the stain might be potato salad. Potato salad! done all the damage i can do here this is where i ask you to rate and review the podcasts fib tell them it's outstanding and you listen to it 16 times just for the line about potato salad the countdown theme from beethoven's ninth was arranged produced and performed by countdown musical directors brian ray and john philip chanel all orchestration and keyboards by john philip chanel guitars bass and drums by brian ray produced by tko brothers the other beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by no horns allowed Our sports music is the ESPN2 Olbermann theme, written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc. Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. And our announcer today was my friend John Dean. That's Countdown for this, the 588th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. A new episode tomorrow. Till then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good night and good luck. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.